Welcome to Parkview, everybody. We're talking about Explore God, but uh, let's just get some stuff out of the way, okay? Super Bowl weekend, right? And if you don't know this, there are millions, millions, literally millions of people around the world that look to me for, <laughs> for guidance on Super Bowl weekend because they know how close God and I are and they're, you know, wanting to bet a little bit and, and they're trying to figure out what's going to happen. So I've been a lot of time in prayer and fasting this week trying to beseech the Father on this, this deal with the, with the Patriots and the Rams. And, you know, I mean, first of all, really, Lord, Patriots again? Because it's not only is it are we tired of the Patriots, but there, there are no Patriots in the Bible. I don't know if you knew this or not. You know, like there's no direct correlation with anything like there are a lot of the other animals and a lot of the mascots and a lot of that stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm like, Lord, I don't even know what to do with this. And, and God gave it upon my brain that, you know, people are talking about Tom Brady as the greatest of all time, which is probably true. I mean, he's, he's going to have more wins than, than any other. Uh, in, in G-O-A-T, greatest of all time, spells goat. So th this afternoon, it's the Rams against the goat. Are you with me? This is, I mean, I know I was like, God, wow, this is really amazing. And so I, I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, okay, what, what does this all mean? I mean, uh, the rams and the goats, I beseech thee, who, who wilt thou allow, allow to win the game this weekend? And, and as I was praying, my Bible fell off the table and it opened right up. <laughs> To Ezekiel 34, 17, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between the rams and the goat. <laughs> it was right there in the Bible all along. I'm like, Lord, this is great. I, okay, I'm on the right track. But, but Lord, I know that you're sovereign over all things. Would you mind giving me a little intel, you know, a prophetic word as to which way thou shalt judgeth the game this, this afternoon. And just then the spirit's wind blew over my Bible and it blew back to Genesis 22:13. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering. <laughs> no, Lord, no. You mean the rams will be offered up for a latest sacrifice for the Patriots? I mean, really nobody wants that. We're tired of the Patriots. We're tired of Alabama. Let's keep, let's just let somebody else go. And verily the Lord confirmed the prophecy as my Bible fell back open to Daniel chapter 8 verse 7. The goat charged furiously at the ram and struck him, breaking off both of his horns. Now the ram was helpless and the goat knocked him down and trampled him. And no one could rescue the ram from the goat's power. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. A word from the Lord, the rams go down to the goat in Super Bowl 53. Let's talk about God and Christianity and choices, okay? Um, some of you go to the grocery store all the time and some of you are like me and would rather have a root canal, right, okay? Um, some of you, like in my family, I'm the Costco guy because that's a fun store to go to. And my wife does the grocery shopping Be because I, I, I'm not familiar with grocery shopping. If, if you're not familiar with it, it's a little bit overwhelming, right? Because there are so many choices. And, and I found out this week something very, very fascinating. In 1990, the year that God banished me to this God-forsaken tundra, <laughs> the average grocery store had around seven to 9,000 items in it. Seven to 9,000 items, that's all they had. 
Today, the average grocery store has 43,000 different items to choose from. Can you imagine? I mean, this is what's going on. We have choices. So it used to be if Denise asked me to stop by the store and get some lettuce, I had a couple of choices. Now it looks like this, you know? I mean, how can there be so many choices for such a meaningless food? <laughs> it's lettuce. It's not bacon. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Hey, honey, could you stop and get some toothpaste? Do you remember when it was just like Colgate and Crest and that was it? Now the toothpaste aisle looks like this. And you have all these different choices. Baking soda, really? This doesn't make any sense. Hey, honey, could you stop and get some cereal? Oh, I'm no dummy. Wait, I've seen the cereal aisle. What kind of cereal? How about some Cheerios? 18 different varieties of Cheerios today, including this one, which I think was just like the other 17 all crumbled up together so that they could make it an even 18. What the heck is that? Nobody even cares. And the problem in the world that we live in today is we have so many choices about so many different things. It used to be a lot easier to figure things out, right? And so the question for us today in Explore God is this one. Is Christianity too narrow? Is it too narrow, you know? And it's a good question because it does kind of seem that way sometimes. I mean, when Jesus is, uh, is talking... Uh, to his disciples on the very last day of his life, in John 14, he says to them, and this is the part that gets controversial with other people, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then if you weren't sure enough that he just said that I am the way and the truth and the life. And by the way, you know, like, it's not I'm going to show you the way. It's not like I am a way. It's not like I am one of many ways. Like, I am the way, Right? And in case you don't get it, then he goes on and he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, yeah, it's pretty narrow. So in other words, what we're talking about here is, um, is this sign, okay? We're going to do road signs today so that it'll help you to understand this whole idea of what we're talking about. And I'd like to thank the high school youth group for getting these signs for me. <laughs> And I, I would encourage you to drive carefully around the Mokina area, okay? <laughs> so, so there, there are other times when Jesus says this, and other times when it says this in the Bible, like, like Jesus said, I told you that you would die in your sins, and if you do not believe that I'm the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Okay, that, that's one way. That's not real popular with everybody else, but that's one way. Peter says later on, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Okay? Now, now one of your questions that you're going to obviously ask at some point along the way, and everybody does, and it's a good question, is like, what about the people that did never get a chance to hear about God? You know, the Australian Aborigines or the American Indians or the, you know, fill in the blank, the people that never got to hear about Jesus. And I would like for you to just take a time out and not worry about that question for a while. I believe, according to Romans 1, there will be judgment based upon what we know, okay? I'm going to tell you that, and I believe in a good God and a loving Heavenly Father, but I, I, I want to not worry about them right now. I want to worry about you. I want, I, want, I, want to, I want to explain this to you in a way that I don't really want to explain to the world all the time because it's hard for them to comprehend. Because one way seems exclusive. It seems wrong. 
okay? Because this is the world's idea, okay? This is the world's idea here. Let's just, come on. I mean, there's so many different kinds of Cheerios, so many different kinds of toothpaste. There's so many different choices. How can you say this is true? Let's just do this. Let's just merge them all together. Let's call this pluralism. This is what we would call pluralism. You just pick one and you sincerely follow it. And the test is not really based on truth. It's based on sincerity because all religions are equally valid and all of them lead to the same place. So if you are on a racetrack and you think you might be on fire, you just pray, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jewish God. Help me, Allah. Help me, Tom Cruise. Help me, Oprah. (laughs) I'm disappointed how long it took you to figure out what I was doing there. Let's try to stay up with the great movies. According to the survey recently entitled, What Americans Believe, 64% of Americans And maybe this is you too, say, well, you know, everybody prays to the same God, right? If you're Christian, you're you're a Buddhist, you're a Muslim, whatever, you are all actually praying to the same God. So most Americans believe this and not this, all right? The The problem is logic, okay? The problem is logic. And again, this is not what I want to do out in the world. This is what I want to do for you. And maybe you'll at least have an answer when this comes up with your friends. The problem with this is there's only two ways that that works. Number one is that God is schizophrenic. Because according to Muhammad, God tells everyone that that they need to take a pilgrimage to Mecca. But then he tells Christians that it doesn't matter where you worship. He tells Hindus not to eat meat. He tells Jews they can only eat some kinds of meat. And he tells Christians we can eat whatever meat we want. Can I get an amen? And what about the afterlife? I mean, some religions teach that after you die, it's all over. You're just done, right? Other religions teach nirvana. Others teach reincarnation. And some teach heaven, a place where there's not going to be any more pain and suffering and we live with God. So how can we all be going to the same place if we don't even want to go to the same place? I don't want to be reincarnated. I might end up as a Packers fan. I don't think I could live with that. I want to be free from pain and suffering. I want to go to my own, you know, I want to go to the place that Jesus promised me. So this doesn't really make much sense. Okay, okay, Tim. Well, God's not schizophrenic. Humanity is. Maybe that's the problem, okay? Maybe it's humanity, and merge is just the message of saying, hey, God is not giving us mixed messages. It's our understanding. It's our paradigm of the message, There's an ancient Eastern parable about blind people who go find an elephant one day, all right? Very, very old parable. You've probably seen this picture or heard it before. What happened to them? Well, this is about perspective because one of them, blind people, went and found a spear uh, because he thought it was a spear because it was the tusk of the elephant. One of them was on top and found his ear and thought he was a fan. One of them hit the wall, you know, the side of the elephant, thought it was a wall. One got his tail and said it's a rope. One found his leg and said, oh, it's a tree. One found his trunk and said it's a, it's a snake, right? Because everybody... It, if you're blind and you, and you find the elephant, you don't really get the full perspective of the elephant. You have your own kind of paradigm. And that's really the problem, PT, is that we all have our own perspective based on how we are raised, which is, which is very, very true, okay? We do have our own perspective according to how we are raised. We all have our own perspective when it comes to God. 
Not so much the young people in our audience today, but, but those of us who are older and, and people that grow up in different places have usually one basic accepted paradigm, uh, one basic accepted uh, religious system that they grew up in, all right? Most of you, statistically speaking, in our area, in our Parkview area, if you're watching us, if you're, if you're with us in one of our campuses and you're here, um, you're 80% Catholic. I just, I'll just like to do this every once in a while, make people feel comfortable. How many of you grew up Catholic? All of our campuses, raise your hand. How many of you? Okay. It's like the whole place, right? Maybe like 90%. Forgive them, Father, for they have sinned. Okay. <laughs> You guys, you guys had a Christian paradigm, okay, right? But, but it was a Catholic Christian paradigm, and that was non-Catholics are all going to hell, and uh, why do the Greek priests get to marry and ours don't? That was your paradigm, okay, over here. That was, your, that was your one way. Now, I had a Christian paradigm growing up, which was basically like Baptisty Protestant, okay? I grew up in Oklahoma. My dad was actually a pastor. I mean, we weren't Southern Baptists, but, but for your, you know, scope of thinking, it was basically that kind of very conservative Christian uh, background and, um, and, and, and Protestant. If you were Catholic, you called us Protestant, even though we weren't protesting anything. You guys just kind of like throw everybody over on the other category. That's how the whole thing works, right? And I didn't know what a Muslim or a Hindu person believed. And all I knew about Catholics was that they baptized the wrong way because you're supposed to baptize grown-ups or, you know, adults or believers or whatever. And you guys spent a lot of time thinking about Mary, and I didn't really understand that. And I only knew three or four of you because I lived in Enid, Oklahoma, okay? That was my paradigm. Uh, and as a matter of fact, in a couple of weeks, just, just while I'm there, we're going to pull off the Explore God track that, that, that everybody's kind of doing, and, and we're going to talk about the question that we get asked so much over and over again, which is the differences between Catholicism and Parkview. Not next week we're going to talk about is Jesus God, but the week after that we're, we're going to pull off and I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what it looks like for a couple of weeks, the differences, because you guys have a lot of questions about that and we want to answer them. We get asked that a lot. I mean, but what I'm saying is we only had Colgate and Crest back in the day. So you had a Colgate, you know, paradigm. I had a Crest paradigm. You were, you were Ford people. We were Chevy people, whatever, you know, but, but, but that, was the, that was the only variation. And the problem with that is each of us had a limited perspective. Each of these guys has a limited perspective of the elephant. Okay, it doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter if you grew up Muslim or Hindu or, or, or Buddhist or whatever. You, you grew up with only a certain kind of viewpoint of who God was. And the problem with this parable is that all of them are wrong. <laughs> Because the elephant is not a snake, and the elephant is not a tree, and the elephant is not a fan. And the truth of the matter is, all of us are wrong about our understanding of God in some way. Because God is way bigger than we can possibly ever understand. So all of us have a narrow viewpoint of how we find our ways to God. I mean, Islam would say, no, this is wrong. You can't, you can't do this because the first pillar of Islam is there's one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And if you don't believe that Allah of the Quran is the God that you want to worship and Muhammad is his prophet, then they would say, well, you are wrong. Okay, that's narrow, but that's the way that it works. Buddhism teaches an eightfold path to enlightenment. You might be an overachiever. You might be an eight on the Enneagram like me and go, I think I can do it in five. And Buddha would say, no. No. 
no, you can't. You see what I'm saying? Everybody has this same thing. The people that say the Patriots are going to win today cannot be equally right with the people who say the Rams are going to win today. You can blame it on the refs. You can blame it on the goalposts. You can do whatever you want, but only one is going to be correct. And next week, um, you know, this is an even bigger subject. Is Jesus really God? Don't miss this. It's so important because Christianity teaches that Jesus is God. Judaism and Islam teach that Jesus is not God. As a matter of fact, the Jews killed him because he claimed to be God. So if Christianity is right, then Jews and Muslims fail to worship God as he really is, which would be a pretty big deal. And the flip side of that, if Christianity is wrong and Jesus is not God, then Christians are worshiping a false idea of God. And that's a pretty big difference. Ravi Zacharias says it this way, truth by definition excludes that which contradicts it. This is just logic, okay? It's just what it is. And the deal with this is that we're Americans. I mean, some of you aren't that are watching this, but, but, but we're Americans and we believe in freedom of religion. And we will always believe in freedom of religion and we will fight for freedom of religion that all religious values and all religious things ought to be equally protected. But here's the problem, okay? All religions should be equally protected, but all religions can't be equally valid. It's just logically impossible. Just logically impossible. Here's another sign that confuses a lot of people as we talk about religious things along the way. Men working. Most people believe, actually all other religious systems teach that the way you get to God is a road that you work your way down. After you do enough good things to make up for the bad things that you've done in your life, eventually you will make it to God. And Christianity is different from every other major religion in this respect. This is so important. You, according to Jesus, don't have to have done something to get to God. Christianity is about that something has already been done for us. We use the words do and done to separate Christianity from every other world religion. And I don't even like to call Christianity a religion. It's not about do, it's about done. Other faiths would teach you to pray uh, to, you know, Allah five times a day, give alms, to use a prayer wheel, to observe the Sabbath, to not eat certain foods. Numerous possibilities of things that you do, and if you do enough of them, you will make it to God. Or at least come back as a better person and start over until you make it to God. What you really see here, if you really understand all of this, is the distinction between do and done, between Christianity and every other faith that there is. My favorite story in the Bible is from Luke 15. I just preached two weeks on it back in October, November, and uh, it's the prodigal son story in Luke 15 about the, the boy who runs away from home. He takes his dad's money, his good father. He takes his good father's money, and he runs away from home, and he wastes it in wild living, and he, and he, comes, and he finally comes to his senses after he's been feeding the pigs, and, and he comes back home to the father because he thinks, well, I'm better off as a servant at home than I am you know, out here on, on my own. At least I know my father will treat me fairly, and he turns around and comes home. It may surprise you that there is also a story like that in Buddhist literature. Okay? 
It's possible that Jesus borrowed it from, from some old traditions of theirs or, or, or that they, you know, borrowed it along the way or that everybody was borrowing from some other religious. Jesus used a lot of modern stuff, a lot of modern, uh, you know, parables and stories. That's why we do the same thing around here. He took from the things that people knew to teach them. And maybe this story was around for a long time and the people knew this story. But Jesus' version of the story is that the boy comes home and the dad says, I'm so glad you're home. And the boy starts to give his speech about how I don't deserve to be there. And the father says, oh no, you're here. You're my son. Forget it. You're back. You're reinstated. What was lost was found. Kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. Let's have a great time. I'm so excited. This is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. In Buddhist literature, the son comes home And the father, through a series of events, decides that the son can come home, but he's going to have to work off his debt because, again, this is Buddhism, okay? He's going to have to work off his debt, and I'm not making this up. He shovels manure as a part of his servanthood to make himself worthy to be back in the family of God. I mean, that could be all I tell you to help you to understand the difference between Christianity and every other religion that there is. It's a big difference. The Bible says he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, not because we shoveled enough manure or we did enough good stuff or whatever, but because of his mercy. It was not because of good works. It was his mercy that saved us. It's not by trying to work hard to get to heaven. It's by accepting the gift, the free gift of Jesus who already took care of it because it's done. So what I'm saying is if this sign gladly is irrelevant, I mean, I I hope you get that, and this sign doesn't make any sense, then the problem is we have this, this, you know, sign here, which also logically means that if there is one way that direction, then there must be wrong ways to go. And, and again, this is, this is not something I would want to tell the rest of the world because when you start telling people they're going the wrong way, um, they get a little bit testy, like this clip from one of my favorite all-time movies. <laughs> if you're not familiar with planes, trains, and automobiles, they're going the wrong way on the wrong side of the highway headed right to, to, towards those two semi-trucks, right? But, but it's hard to tell people that they're going the wrong way because it's insulting and nobody wants to hear that. So when we say to people that we believe that there is one way, when Jesus said, I am the way, uh, th- then, it, then it feels exclusive to them. And let me be clear again, I don't think any of these signs are good signs for us to be marching around with out there in the world. It's never good to lead with I with you're wrong and I'm right. I don't know how long you've been married, but I've been married for 35 years. Just trust me on this. It's never good to lead with you're wrong and I'm right, okay? Here's what the Bible tells us. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. What about the Buddhists? What about the Hindus? I I, I don't need to answer that question. What about the Aborigines? I don't don't know. I don't need to answer that question. For me, I have hope because of Jesus. I have hope because it's done. And do this, he said, with gentleness and respect. 
I would rather Christians just not have this discussion with other people if they can't do it with gentleness and respect. Look, I get it, okay? I love that clip because, you know, I, I, I'm a huge Steve Martin fan. Nobody did frustration like Steve Martin. But, 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 but I love this because I want you to understand that the only reason that those people were yelling at them was because they were concerned for their safety. That's it. So, yeah, if your neighbor's on their deathbed or they're getting ready to run into a Mack truck, then maybe it's time to pull out the sermon. And maybe it's time to have this conversation because it's getting to that point. But until then, may I remind you that the world is not a battlefield. It is a mission field. And, and, and other belief systems aren't the enemy. And we are called to love our neighbor no matter what religion they belong to. I need some applause for that, please, because, not because of me, but look, you guys, we've got to believe this. We need to understand this. They are not the enemy. They are our neighbor, and we're called to love them. The enemy is the evil one who confuses everybody about this. The enemy is the one who says, oh, that's too easy. I don't see how it could be that easy. That's, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what, that's what Jesus said. Let them see your good work. Do it with gentleness and respect. But the, the, the fact remains that this is very definitely narrow-minded, if you want to look at it that way. Lee Strobel, in his book, God Out, God's Outrageous Claims, he was an investigative, an atheist investigative reporter who uh, studied his way to Jesus, great Great writer, good friend. Tells the story of a couple who had a daughter born to them. A few weeks after she was born, she developed jaundice. You know what jaundice is? You know, it causes the skin to become very yellow and whites of the eyes. So they took their daughter back to the hospital, and the doctor said, yeah, she's got jaundice. And it's a potentially devastating disorder, but there's a very simple cure. All you need to do is put your little daughter under a light, and the skin will absorb that light and stimulate the liver to function properly. So let's just imagine this, he said. Let's just imagine the parents would say to the doctor, well, that just seems too easy. Just putting our daughter under the light, that's too simple. What if we just scrubbed her really, really well and then dipped her in bleach and then scrubbed her some more? Eventually, wouldn't her skin color return to normal? Wouldn't that work? And the doctor would say, well, you don't understand. There's only one way to cure jaundice. She has to be exposed to this light. Maybe a couple would say, well, we don't like this one-way thing. I mean, come on, there's got to be some other options. What if we just pretend like everything is okay? What if we sincerely believe that our daughter was supposed to be yellow? Wouldn't everything be okay? The doctor would say, you could sincerely believe it, but you'd be sincerely wrong. You're hesitant because it sounds too easy or too simple so that, 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 that there's only one way. But this is how you cure jaundice. I would imagine eventually the doctor would point behind his desk and say, look at my credentials, look at my degrees, I'm a doctor, I have a medical degree, I've cured hundreds of babies with jaundice, you can trust me based on my credentials. Lee goes on and says, the truth is we all have a terminal illness called sin, and there's only one cure, and it's the blood of Jesus. And we can trust him because he's the one who has the right credentials. He fulfilled the prophecies. He worked powerful miracles. He lived a perfect life. He died an atoning death, and he rose from the grave. We can trust what he says is true. 
He had the right credentials. You could say, well, what if we just scrubbed really hard? What if we tried to earn our way to God? Some might say, oh, I wish there was more than one way. Couldn't there be another way? What if we sincerely believed? But the answer is no. And if this is true, it's not narrow-minded to say the road I want to take is the one that Jesus told me about. Because it's not based on anything we've done. It's based on what was done for us. In other words, you know, what if the elephant turned around while everybody had their speculation going on of what he was? What if he turned around and said, hey, I can talk. Let me tell you who I am. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he said, follow me and I'll take you to the Father. It's not exclusive because the offer's been made to everyone. I mean, on the, on the cross, there are two people on the cross, and one of them says, ah, ha, ha, look at you, you're being crucified, and the other one says, hey, are you really the Savior? Can I go with you? Like, one of them basically says, I don't believe in you, and I don't want to go with you after this is over, and the other one says, can I go with you after this is over, and Jesus turns to him, and he says, yeah, you can come. Because the Bible quotes this scripture over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not exclusive because it's about everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, what someone said is that there's, the point is not that there is only one option. The point is that there is an option. That's the difference. God has given us a way to be saved through Jesus Christ. This isn't about religion it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. This video sums it up perfectly. So sometimes, so sometimes I do get in this discussion with people, um, you know, and you can't get away from it. And again, man, leave the door wide open for God. You don't need to think about what happens to people that don't believe in him that grew up in another paradigm that didn't have a way to... There's a lot of theological stuff that could be going on that we don't know about, okay? Just stay away from it. Just say, I don't know. But, 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 but when somebody says, how can you believe that Jesus is the only way to God? If somebody asks me that, at some point, I, I have to say, listen, if there is more than one way to get to God, then what kind of a sick God is he? What kind of a sick God would let his son go die on a cross to pay for sins if there was any other way? As a matter of fact, the last thing Jesus prayed before he went to the cross was, Lord, Father, God, is there any other way? If there's any other way, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. And God said, there is no other way. That's how the whole thing has to work. Do you understand that? Because it is by grace that you have been saved, the Bible says, through faith. And it is not of yourselves. This is, this is how you got to keep coming back to this. It's not about me. It's about God. It's not, not of myself because then I would boast about it. There's no arrogance in being a Christian. There's no exclusivity in being a Christian. It's open for everybody. The, the good news is that there is a cure. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
That's why sometimes you see football players with it written on their eyes. You know, that's why you see that verse so many times. It's not a verse of judgment. It's a verse of hope. Because the next verse says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that's why the angels told the shepherds it was good news of great joy for all the people. There are two questions that Jesus asked his followers one day. Who do other people say that I am? And they gave him all these different answers. And then he asked them, the clincher, who do you say that I am? And Peter, who was always the one that tended to speak up first, jumped in and, and said what we call around here the good confession. I'm going to give you the opportunity to say it with me. You just repeat after me. If you believe this in your heart, I encourage you to just say this out loud, and then we're going to do communion and, and, and end the service. Peter, Jesus said, who do you say that, that I am? And, and Peter said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you are my Lord and Savior. That seems so easy. Yeah, I know. It's good news. We're going to have communion. We're going to pass the trays across. If you believe that, I don't care what kind of background you came from. It doesn't matter where you, where, you, where you grew up, what religious paradigm you had. It doesn't matter. If you believe that, you're welcome to commune with us. You don't be a part of our church. We invite you to do it. There's going to be trays coming across, two cups, one inside the other one. Just take them both out and hold them for a moment, and we'll commune together in unison in just a moment. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for providing a way. I guess that's the only thing that makes sense to me is if there was another way, if we could work our way in, maybe you would have done this for all the slackers like me who knew, knew they couldn't make it in on their own. Maybe you sent your son just, just for the ones that were really, really not that great. But, but I don't believe that because your word teaches us over and over again that it's not about us, it's about your son and what he did for us on the cross. And we accept that today. If there are people in here who are opening up to that for the first time today, Lord, just let them know that it really is that simple. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What part of everyone can't we understand? Thank you for this grace. Be with us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.